incognito. You need to leave right now. Amen. <laughs> uh, you may uh, not realize it, but the church world is run today by women by and large. Uh, one of the great tragedies of this generation is uh, anytime there's a vacuum, women will fill it. And because there's a vacuum in male leadership, uh, uh, this is happening in many fronts. But we thank God for you tonight. Thank God for Pastor Ruby, uh, our relationship, uh, this church, uh, what God is doing in this part of the world. And uh, someone uh, told me recently who seemed to know what they were talking about is that our fellowship um, worldwide, I have the privilege of, of going to numbers of conferences uh, but our fellowship worldwide is planning a new church every three days average. That's better than McDonald's. Can you give God praise? Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible tonight, Luke chapter 8, uh, it's a very interesting scripture. And uh, it's filled with incredible truth <clears throat> that I believe especially applies today. Uh, to grasp this truth, you also need to understand the culture in which it was written. But we live in a day where emotion has replaced truth. <clears throat> People live for the latest drama. And uh, added to that, they think it's normal. I'm discipling men today that have an unusual reaction compared to men I was discipling even 15, 20 years ago. And so in this text, you have to ask, why did Jesus <clears throat> cast out the mourners? Was he being cruel? Was he uncaring? Was he indifferent? Today, if Jesus would have done this, we would have said he's insensitive. But we know that's not true. So there must be a reason spiritual revelation concerning this text uh, because I pastor numbers of men and families today they're trapped by drama they're enslaved to their emotions and other people's emotions they're taken captive by the spirit of the hour I want to minister tonight on the day of the drama <clears throat> Luke 8, verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe and she'll be made well. When he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. All wept and mourned for they her for her, but he said, "Do not weep; she's not dead, but sleeping." They ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, called, saying, "Little girl, arise!" 
Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Father, we come tonight by the blood of Jesus. God, I pray tonight that your truth and the Holy Spirit of the living God would bring deliverance. I pray God put spiritual truth and revelation and weapons to the hands of these men. God, I pray that they'd be all you've called them to be. God, they'd cast the drama from their life. God, I pray tonight to save the lost. God, raise up men. Give us nations as an inheritance. In Jesus' name. I want to minister first on a thought, the day of the drama. I'd say most of you would agree immediately this is an emotionally charged generation. High drama seems to be the norm. There was an old saying, truth is stranger than fiction. Today, life has become crazier than fiction. I read recently and was made aware that a lot of these soap operas the last big ones are going off of the air. One of these is going to happen at the first of the year. And so why is it these uh, soap operas are filled with immorality, deception, fantasy, grudges, hatred? I mean, the emotional upheaval is instantaneous. What this used to seem so dramatic, but now it happens in most homes and has become common. One of the questions, after 54 years, why would, as the world turns, die off? The scriptwriters could no longer compete with what had become common in so many people's lives. And putting it another way, these had become dull. They no longer moved people emotionally, so they lost their audience. The, the big rage today is these reality shows. Uh, they put a bunch of messed up people. I'm amazed. I go around the world and these things are, are, it's unbelievable. You just take a bunch of messed up people, put them together, and let them play out all the drama their flesh can produce. Their anger, their hurt, they've been abused, they're ripped off, they love to gossip, backbite, connive, deceive, scream, yell, go off, and this is, this is called entertainment today. And I might add, if you call that entertainment, you're sick. <laughs> My advice to you, if you watch that, you'll be highly warped. Jerry, 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 <laughs> Jerry. See, immediately you, some of you, you know exactly what that word means. You know that better than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> so what is drama? It's an emotional conclusion. It's a demonstration. It's the amplifying of emotions. It's this outward displeasure many times or manifestation when inwardly you're displeased or you're upset. You upset me. And so I'm going to highlight that emotionally. Life didn't seem fair. 
You didn't respond the way I thought you should toward me. It's an outward display. It's many times a display of an inward discontent. One definition, it's these cheap effects, this an emotional hype. It's where you're pouting, you're sulking. You're jealous, you're crying, you're anger. It's this overreaction to life's realities. It's where the actor makes everything bigger than life. Uh, the couple we just launched to China, <clears throat> they just, two or three weeks ago, Ed Botnicki, and he was over our drama uh, in Chandler and, um, uh, at one time, um, and he had a fan club. I mean, he was good at it. When he would do a drama, the whole extreme would go crazy. And the thing about Ed, um, I mean, if it called for a smile, his smile was like this. If it called for sadness, it was like this. I mean, he could, it, no matter, and that's what drama is. It was this, this hyper-emotional reaction to every scene of life. Maybe you're here tonight. You have your sad face, your hurt face. You didn't give me my way face. You owe me face. I'm entitled. And so in your mind, you're stepping onto the stage of life with a part to play. You corrected me face. Listen to me. It's where every event of life is weighed by how much emotion it can stir. I heard a term today, I never heard, and she's, she and sometimes even he, a drama queen. I'm counseling people today, and they say, Pat, they're, they're talking about their marriage. I don't need all this drama. And they're vibrating when they say it. Their juggler veins pounding. Their eyes are twitching. So why drama? One... It's a projection of power. You can control and manipulate, manipulate. On the drama stage, all the rules are changed and the boundaries are removed. Truth is no longer the issue. The Bible is no longer relevant. It's how you made me feel. There was an old TV series called Dragnet. Anybody remember that? Anybody as old as I am? Sergeant Friday. And uh, he was this straight-laced, very somber individual. And he'd come to the crime scene, and normally it was some woman. And today it could have been a man. And uh, they're, 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 uh, he's trying, to, and he's talking to them, and they're just throwing out there. And he had this one-liner he had used in, in every one of his... Uh, a series, and he'd say, just the facts, man. Just the facts. Well, what was he saying? He's saying, I can't get to the truth because of all of this emotional and this dramatic, um, all, you're throwing out all these vibes, um, and this is changing, and I can't get to, the, there's men here that you can't get to the real truth because Every day is a drama. Every issue of life. And I'm going to talk some about that because I'm discipling men and I'm having a hard time 
bringing them to maturity because of the very thing I'm speaking of. In other words, drama has the ability to change all of the rules and the boundaries. It's a distortion of truth. Malaysia, I did funerals there, and especially the Indians, if you died suddenly, they thought it was a curse, and they would want to bury you the same day. And they didn't embalm you, and so these funerals were, were wild. Uh, I can remember one time where, where they're taking the body, and we're going up into this apartment. The body fell out of the casket. And so they grabbed the, slammed him back in the casket. We get up there. I mean, blood's running out of his nose and ears. You know, he's not been embalmed because they're going to bury him. He just died that morning. And these people are wailing. I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's wild. Uh, I mean, they're throwing themselves. And, and, you know, I know the family and different people. I'll say, well, who's that? I, say, I don't know. And, but what was interesting to me, there's this hyper drama. But the moment they said it was time to eat, <laughs> later for the morning, you know, all that weeping stuff, we, we, it's time to eat. They were performing. You've seen people come to work, come to church. I'm in a bad mood. And what they're implying now, all the rules change. Don't question my performance, my quality of work. Now you can't hold me accountable because I'm in an emotional drama. Now the standards don't apply. I'm in a bad mood. Just leave me alone. Don't deal with me. Don't talk to me. Don't confront me because I'm in an emotionally state. Drives me nuts. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth, it does. Something in me. Uh, I mean, it's, what, if, what if every time I, I got ready to preach and I was in a bad mood, I just, what if, what if I was in a bad mood tonight? I'm sick of being here. You know, I, I got people in song service that do that. I've had song leaders do that. Uh, you ever do that again? Uh, you're going to be so far in the back, you'll never make your way to this platform. Jesus will come first before you get up here. But in their mind, because, because I'm in some kind of, of trauma of life, now all of a sudden you can't hold me to any kind of ministry standard or expect any kind of performance from me. Don't deal with me. I'm in a bad mood. Don't talk to me. You wonder why your marriage has never changed never gets fixed never gets healed you begin to play a role instead of dealing with the real facts and the issue life now is all about the drama how I feel not who I am it's not my conduct it's not about the cause of Jesus Christ it's not about how this is affecting other people. It's not about the consequences downstream. 
Pastor, I don't want to talk about the facts. I want to talk about how I feel. And in your mind, if you can just create enough drama, if you can just be angry enough, sulk enough, I'm displeased, pout enough, uh, you hurt me enough, uh, then I never have to face who I really am. A couple triggered my mind. They're in my office. I'm counseling them. And the woman, she got really emotional. You know, and I, I'm, I can live with that. She's a woman. But I was shocked. Her husband, he now is going to out-emotionalize his wife. She gets teary-eyed. <laughs> she gets, I mean, pretty, I'm waiting for him to flop in the floor. I mean, this was the strength. You know, I want, I want to just reach over and just slap up on Say, be a man. No wonder she's having problems with you. Be a man. I didn't do that, but inside. <laughs> I was fantasizing. <laughs> and you know what? What shocked me, in their mind, that's totally acceptable. In his mind, this... There was not, I mean, I don't even think it even dawned on him. To me, it was pathetic. Drama is empowering. It's addictive. But it's also very deceiving. And I'm not talking about godly passion. Jesus wept, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would together be as a mother hen, but you would not. He drove the money changers out of the temple, the passion of God. See, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these rogue emotions. And you begin to play this role so long, you don't know who you really are. This drama is being played out and down inside, you've forgotten who you are. This is a problem with actors that play a certain script or a certain individual. So they begin to think that's who they are. The lines of reality have become blurred. It's the reason they're so messed up. These, these actors, we want their opinion about marriage. They've been married 837 times. And the one they're living, I mean, that's, uh, politics, nations, they, they've never been out of L.A. But in their mind, and what's so insane in a lot of people's minds, the problem is you begin to simply live for the emotion of the moment. And you don't want to face the reality of who you really are and one day you have an appointment with God in eternity for the life you've lived. God's not going to say, well done, you good and faithful servant, if it's a lie. Where's all this going? This drama. What's the conclusion? What's the consequences? Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces 
that they may appear to be men fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. This emo rogue emotions and this drama disfigures the face. You project an appearance. But you know the problem? That's your reward. The addiction is immediate. Immediately they receive their reward. Do you see this pattern in your life? Do you constantly feel a certain way? Is this your reaction? Jealousy? I'm a victim. You owe me insecurity. Greed. Always some kind of tragic response. Could it be addictive? You know, emotional addiction is harder to be delivered of than chemical addiction. You can be here tonight and be the very person I'm preaching about. But in your mind, that's not sin. That's not something you need to be delivered of. Well, my whole family's that way. I know that. That's the problem. And you build your case. It's always your first response to any kind of conflict or correction, any kind of crisis in life. This is your first response is anger or sulking or pouting or envy or jealousy or blaming or critical your first defense you're consumed you're always upset everyone's against me science has given some explanation here concerning the human personality they use two terms, nourishment versus stimulants. Nourishment is required for life. Food, water, warmth, love, accomplishment, acceptance, relationships. Nourishment doesn't cause this stress factor that they call it, this stress reaction. Stimulants this is different. It's feelings that may seem to nourish, but cause this internal reaction that can be deadly. Take food. Food is critical for life. But when food becomes your answer, every time you're upset or there's a crisis, you have a problem. And it can kill you. These studies say this is true of loud music. It's true of violent movies, horror movies, this stirring of these emotions. The problem is, is you feel bored or depressed unless there's some kind of emotional stimulant in life. I dealt with this kid at conference, our Bible conference, all the years, all 40 years. Being, I've never heard this in my whole life. And uh, he's doing fantastic today. He's over youth ministry today. But he was addicted to sour candy. I'm talking, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about 
He's in the military. He had a footlocker full of this high dollar sour candy. Now, if it wasn't so tragic, it seems humorous. He would run back and check this footlocker. I mean, he, he would put ice on his gums because his gums had blistered from eating so much of this. He, put, I, he would wake up in the morning. He's asleep, and he'd have candy wrappers stuck all over his face. He would, he was, he would write letters or, or email his dad and tell his dad, Dad, I, can't, I need some money. And he would immediately, it didn't matter if it was 200, 500, he would run down and buy this, it was high dollar stuff, this, this exotic sour candy. You know, there's a drama addiction. The only time you feel alive is when you're arguing, you're angry, you're sad, you're upset about something. You're addicted. If you're not upset about something, then life is dull and boring. And the truth is clouded. I don't know if I, I may have, I used this in another sermon, but I, I want to use it again. Um, my granddaughter, Annalisa, a number of years ago, uh, I took her on a revival with me. She was probably at that time about five or six. Uh, we went to uh, Ron Myers Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Ron Myers' daughter, Brian, and my daughter, J.R.L., grew up from the, from the nursery um, uh, cradle. They grew up together. And um, uh, Brian named one of her daughters, J.R.L. She's about the age of, of my daughter's daughter, Annalisa, my granddaughter. So they wanted to meet one another. So I took Annalisa with me. And uh, we went to St. Augustine. And, you know, I ate ice cream. And, you know, we, I don't know, we rode in a boat. And I, I had a great time. And um, uh, I'm trying to, I took my grandson, different ones. I take them to conferences. And I took my Colin uh, grandson to Gallup, New Mexico for a Bible. He wanted to see some real Indians. And we're in the prayer room. They all got suits on. He said, Papa, he was only about four or five. He said, I don't see any real Indians in here. <laughs> but anyway, we, we had a great time on Alyssa and I. But God was moving. And there was about 85 people saved. And I'm feeling, you know, uh, God's dealing with me. Uh, maybe we ought to extend the meeting. But I'm not the pastor. And so I, I said, God, if, if it's you, if it's real, uh, then you have Pastor Ron Meyer speak to me or something. And so we're in his office uh, right before the service. His wife come in, Bridget. She said, she said, Pastor, I had a dream last night that we extended the meeting. And uh, she said, man, it was powerful as well. And Ron said, you know, I've been thinking about the same thing. Pastor, could you possibly stay? So make a long story short, I'll stay. Well, Aunt Alyssa, by this time, she's missing her brother and sister. Uh, she's missing mom and dad. I mean, a week, you know, four or five days with Papa, that's okay. But, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not used to little kids. So anyway, we're extended this meeting. She's, she's, her motions. So I'm getting her ready for church. And um, one little piece of hair is out of place. This is a major drama. I mean, in my mind, any hair, anywhere up here is wonderful. In place, out of place, I could care less. So finally, I've had enough. We're going to prayer. And it's, I just want, you know, 
Hey, it's great, baby. And she looks up at me, begins to cry, and she said, Papa, the whole church thinks I'm ugly. You know, I, with the other baby churches coming in, probably maybe four or 500 people there, the truth is, I'd say 95% of them people don't even know who she is. Now, that's funny when you're five years old, but not when you're 25, 45, 55. Pastor, the whole church. Hey, let me tell you about the whole church. The whole church, most of them, they don't have time to be worried about you. They've got their own problems. A pastor, the whole church. No, 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 no. A five-year-old maybe. I mean, this huge crisis, this emotional, I mean, tears and everything over some, and, and you know, we look at that, we laugh, it's, listen, how foolish are you? Does your pastor look at you? I have to be honest, sometimes I look at these guys, and in my mind, that is nothing. I mean, if that's the biggest, baddest demon that ever happens to you, my Lord Jesus, don't talk to me about preaching. Don't come and tell me you want to take a nation. I come all the way to Texas to release my frustrations. <laughs> he cast out the mourners. Verse 54, but he put them all outside. Verse 52, now all weapon mourn for her. So what's this all about? Did Jesus come here and the mother's crying? Get out, get out! The siblings, what's wrong with you? See, Jesus is not against grief. He doesn't condemn sorrow. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. James 4, 9, lamentate mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to glory. Humble yourself in the sight of God. We know the power of godly sorrow worketh repentance. See, emotion in itself is not bad. It's this magnifying of it for personal ambition, personal reasons and gain some kind of camouflage and defense. Uh, it's the abuse of emotion. It's the misuse of emotion. It's the magnifying of emotion for your own purpose. These were paid mourners. They were professionals. This is the way they would honor the dead. In other words, they would hire these people and in those days, the more mourners you had, the more prestigious you were. And so, if they could hire enough mourners, then when people looked at this, it was like the whole town was mourning because this was someone famous or prestigious. There was this frenzy of emotion, this small mob of people that had been hired 
to push the start button on this emotional overload. In India, they have a term rattling the sabers. And we had a missionary couple there, and one night they got a little fender bender. And to them, to the Indians, this is entertainment. They come out of all the shops and everything. They call me in the middle of the night, and they... And, you know, they hadn't been there long. Pastor, Pastor, they're going to kill us. And, and, and this and that. I said, listen, 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 listen. Just give them a few dollars. Take care of it. And uh, if you have to, we have a guy there calling. And uh, they're not going to kill you. Listen, this is entertainment to them. And sure enough, uh, they gave a few dollars, took care of it, went on about their business. It's in their culture. I'll tell you another story maybe in a moment. It's hilarious. That's what's happening here. These paid mourners would come. They didn't even know who had died. See, God can produce emotions, but emotion alone will never produce God. I love the presence of God, and I'm not talking about when God moves and people begin to break. God help us, this nation needs to break. But in this text, evidently drama was attempting to stop the hand of God. Listen to me, I've said all of that to bring you here the next few moments. Luke 8, 52, now all weapon mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing she was dead, but he put them all outside. You know what this tells me? When we play the emotional drama card, it's hard to hear the promise of God. It's hard to hear the voice of God. Your drama speaks so loud, it deafens you what God can do. It said they laughed, they mocked, they ridiculed him. Their emotions. He said, listen, she's not dead. She's, she's going to live. It's going to be all right. But their emotion mocked and ridiculed the resurrection power of a living God. I find this true with emotional people. In the crisis of life, when you desperately need to hear the voice of God, when you need to hear the resurrection power is available, I am still the one who raises the dead. They can't hear it. Not only that, it seems ridiculous. They ridiculed him. There's no faith in emotion. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And these rogue emotions, they only hear themselves. Your self-pity, all it will hear is your self-pity. Your anger, all it will hear. It will not hear God. That's why emotionally addicted people have such a difficult time living for God. They're always all over the place because it ridicules faith. It slanders the promises of God. 
their first reaction to Jesus' words was this rogue emotion of unbelief triggered them. It creates a spiritual climate. Verse 50, do not be afraid. Only believe and she'll be made well. Let me ask you, what's your first reaction when Jesus steps into the middle of your crisis with a promise? Do not weep, verse 52. She's not dead, but sleeping. Evidently, there, this drama had created such a spiritual climate. It was hindering what Jesus wanted to do personally in that house. Let me ask you, is there such a drama in your home that what Jesus wants to do in your family, in your house, his hands are tied. Their drama was affecting everyone. It was a controlling, dominating spirit, hindering resurrection. Otherwise, I don't believe Jesus would have felt it necessary to put them all out of the house. Verse 54, he put them all outside and took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. This is an incredible word, immediately. how many marriages the Spirit of God would return if you'd put the drama out. How many marriages have died on the drama stage of life? How many ministries would immediately rise up to another level and dimension if you could cut out all the craziness? How many Christians how many disciples here tonight? God would begin to raise you up. If you'd put the drama out. How many destinies have died right here? God's waiting for you to cast out the drama so that you can live again. So that resurrection power could be demonstrated and somewhere in your walk with God you're going to need resurrection power listen to me pastor somewhere your church is going to need resurrection you and your wife ministry people Immediately, didn't take 12 steps, 400 counseling sessions. She's not in recovery. Something happened in India one time, and this is how drama inflames. Uh, they had a big crusade, and uh, they over-advertised, and it got into a staunch Hindu, strong Hindu area violent area they come down it was it was it was a lot of crisis a lot of drama 
they got in the automobiles, they're rocking the cars, trying to turn the cars over the police. They finally got to the police station. Uh, missionaries were there working together. Uh, some family members were there from the States, and this thing began to ignite. So they're all leaving the country. The reason they all decided to leave the country, they lived in this apartment complex. And they're in this apartment complex. Four or five of the missionary couples all live in this complex, different places in it. And, and there's this mob coming down the street. I mean, banners and beating drums and screaming and yelling in Tamil. And they said, my God, they're coming. They know where we live. They're coming after us. They all fled to the airport. I caught our missionary couple in Mumbai. I said, wait, 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 wait. All this happened just... I said, wait, listen to me. All the expats, Bangalore, there's thousands, tens of expats or foreigners who live there. They're not, they're not going to. Come on. Let's get real. So I stopped them. The other guy, they went on to Malaysia, went here and went there, went there and yonder. You know what this mob coming down the street was? It was a parade. <laughs> Had nothing to do with anybody. Had, it was a parade. It was a political parade that just happened to come down their street. I wonder how many men here, the devil creates this drama in your life and you run from the will of God. You run from destiny. You run from your calling. You run from ministry. What does Jesus want to resurrect in you tonight? But his hands are tied. I ask you to bow your head with me tonight. Tonight, you've come to this place and your heart's not right with God. Somewhere you got caught. Or maybe you've never been saved. But the truth is your heart's not right with God. You're not living for God. By His grace and mercy, you're in this place tonight. Wonderful presence of God. You'd say, Pastor, I'm, that's me you're talking to. I need to pray. I need to ask God. I need to get real. I need to quit running. I need to bow my knee and my heart. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus to touch me. You're here tonight. wonder how many. You just slip up your hand right now and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. Yes, I see this hand. You start lifting your hand. Just get up out of your seat and begin to come to this altar. Over there, you lift your hand. This man's coming. This, who else? Who else? God's speaking. Just get up out of your seat and come. You get right with God. Who else? God's speaking to you. These are coming. Others, God's speaking to you, dealing with you. You just get up out of your seat and come. God's dealing with your heart. I'm talking about something between you and the living God. Who else? Who else? Your heart's not right. You're not living for God. You're not right. Maybe there's secret sin. You say, I want to get clean tonight. 
Just get up out of your seat and come. Come find a place to pray and begin to talk and get real with God. You need to confess. You need to repent. God, it's me. It's me. It's nobody else. It's me. I'm not right. I'm not living for God. Who else has joined these men up here? God's speaking to you. God's dealing with you. Who else? Who else? Who else? Anyone else? Anyone else before they change the order of this service? You're here. You're not right. You're not living for God. You're unclean or you're unsaved. There's secret sin. I want to get it right, God. I want to get it right. I want to call on your name. You come out and find a place to pray. Anyone else? Anyone else? God's dealing with you. Anyone else? Other people may not know, but you know, and God knows. Anyone else? You come and join these. Anyone else? You're not right. You know it, and God knows it. Playing games with God. You come and join these men. See, I want to get around. I want to leave here messed up the way I come in. Living a lie. I want to live this lie. I want to get it right with God. Anyone else? Men are coming. Anyone else? God's dealing with you. God's dealing with you. You come out of your seat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Tired of living this lie. Playing this game. I want to get right with God. I'm going to pray. You need to confess it. Speak it out. Call it what it is. It's killing you. It's eating you up. Call it what it is. Anyone else? As men are still coming. Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to leave you out. God's your, your chest is pounding right now. That's God. Because you've got issues secret sin, things aren't right, playing games, your heart's pounding, you ought to get up out of your seat. You ought to come and pray and lay hold of God. God preached a very simple message on this rogue emotion. I want to ask you to stand to your feet, all of you that are seated. I want to open these altars. You'd stand to your feet. I want to give you a chance to come and pray. Lay hold of God. Come and talk to God. I'm going to cast this nonsense out of my life. I'm not going to play this game. God can't move. I can't hear his voice. I cannot hear the voice of God. In crisis moments, desperate moments, because this drama speaks so loud. Let's pray. Let's call on God. Oh,